hi i'm your host charles Nese, and welcome to lost in networking podcast where we discuss computer networking technologies blockchain technologies and how gen z's and millennials are interacting with social networks hi john charles how are you can you hear me okay yeah, I can. I can. How are you doing today? I'm doing what? I'm doing really well. It's it's so good to see you. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> God, it's, it's so good to have you again. Honestly, wow. So, um, you seem to have um, changed your interests a little bit from networking to cloud and gaming, right? That that's pretty cool. Yeah, but I won't, I won't say I've really changed my interests. I'm trying to still merge the two, kind of, because I'm trying to like use my knowledge in, from um, you know dabbling with cloud technologies and you know implementing this in like network automation with time, you know, because a lot of APIs and stuff. So I feel it relates. So I feel I feel it relates you know, in, in some sense. So yeah, so I'm still like- Well, there's some, um, everything is connected, right? So like everything uses networking. So that's not, you know, that's not lost. If you move to the cloud, if anything, you're going to need it in the cloud, right? And, and how all these, um, how all these services connect with each other. So I think that's great. So guys, wow. Well, because I have John here again, and also I also want to let you guys know that John recently got an award from um, Cisco DevNet as uh, as oh, oh, now, okay. Uh, yeah. that's okay. It's okay. Just just relax. Just take a deep breath. It's just you and me talking like friends, Charles. You can relax. I, I got the DevNet Creator Award, and um, I. I, uh, you know, the neatest thing for me was seeing my mom and dad sharing Cisco DevNet stuff on their Facebook, <laughs> which doesn't happen a lot, right? Wow. So that, that was very, very special for me. And, um, but you know, I, I accept it on behalf of the community and people like you have been supporting me for a few years now. So, so that's great. But, but I'm just another guy. I'm just a regular person, Charles. We can we can just relax and have a nice conversation today. You can you don't have to be so nervous. You're doing some great things too. I guess. I guess that's true. Though. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> don't mind me. Don't mind me. It's okay. Anyways, so yeah, so so um, so so John has has been on my podcast earlier. You know, we spoke about his um project um Maryland and it was really amazing so i thought about bringing him here again because he is doubling a lot with containers and um seeing what's happening like in the gaming world um it's a lot from facebook changing and then from facebook to meta to some um you know blockchain companies like one of them sandstorm the the raise around like 90, 90, uh, 93 million dollars which is a lot to sell virtual lands and it's crazy how like virtual lands are actually becoming a thing now you know so so basically how it just works is brands can actually purchase these lands 
and they can build engaging games for their audience. So it's now beyond just you know them putting their ads on people's devices where they see websites. Now these people can actually you know come you know play with the game to engage with the company and all that, which is quite interesting. And beyond just brands, regular people can actually still go there, purchase land, and try to build games. So it's it's so gaming is now getting so big. So now this means that most of these brands and you know all the individuals, for example, they would need cloud guys to help them deploy their games. So meaning it would scale a lot. So that is why I just brought uh, John here today, so he can actually you know, just give us a brief overview of what containers are. You know, speak about. Uh, the power of it and why you know being new IT guys should you know travel with containers. Well, well, thank you, Charles. You you are really into some cutting edge things. I I I'm just starting to I've just learned from now about these digital lands. So just incredible and and I think containers. So I I absolutely love Docker containers. And, and for a few reasons and, and how it's helped me in my networking space in particular. So let's say I have a piece of automation, an Ansible playbook, a piece of Python code, those two things, let's say. Um, there's still a lot of friction to make those consumable for people. They have to have a virtual environment. They have to be in Linux. They have to have the right packages installed. Right. There's there's all kinds of friction there where with my solution and my software, I wanted them to just be able to run it and not worry about all of these configurations and packages and virtual environments. It was really hard to consume. So that's where Docker comes in. Now, I this might be wrong, but here's how I explain Docker to people or how I think of it. Do you remember the CD burning days? Did you ever burn CDs, Charles? Uh, I tried to burn one lately because they gave us an assignment in school and I don't know why they wanted us to burn the assignment in the CD, but it, it didn't work. And I have to like maybe go back to you know, trying it again, so yeah. But but people don't, people tend not to, there's some people of a certain age that have never burned a CD or know what I'm talking about. But when I was growing up, it was very popular to burn your own CD of music or files or whatever. Now that CD was packaged up using an ISO image. So International Standards Organization, it's an actual standard and an image has an ISO standard number. And that's how a CD, and even now, have you ever, say in VMware or Hyper-V, have you ever mounted an ISO or yeah. right so so that's yeah they call that an image right so you mount an image mm -hmm. now what do they call the docker it's it's an image right it's a container image so that's how I think of it is but it's beyond what a CD-ROM could do so if you could put the operating system of your choice and the packages and the virtual environment and Python and SSH and all of these things, if you could build your own little CD-ROM image, that's what Docker lets me do, is actually 
package up my whole, all my dependencies, set up a virtual environment, install Python, get ready and run the Python commands. But, but users, and here's, here's a key here. Network automation has been restricted, I'll say, to Linux. Ansible's a Linux tool, and, and Python is typically run in a Linux environment. But most network engineers that I know and grow up with, they're Windows people. They don't know anything about Linux. They, they don't know, right? They're, they're, they're network engineers that have used Windows System 30, you know, Windows-based operating systems and PuTTY or, or, or some terminal program to manage the network. But they want to start running Ansible or they want to start running some, you know, Python. Yeah. Well, they need Linux of some kind. Well, what Docker does is let me say, actually, you can install Docker Desktop for Windows and or in Ubuntu or CentOS or RHEL. Wow. You name the operating system, it can run Docker. So here's another way to think about it. We've kind of gone from physical machines to virtual machines, VMs, right? Mm -hmm. But the VMs, Charles, they need Hyper-V or VMware, right? They need a, a hypervisor to run on. Yeah. Docker doesn't need that. It just needs a Docker environment, which can be Windows or Linux or whatever. It can be in the cloud, like you talked about earlier. Yeah. You can just run containers right in Azure, AWS, Google Cloud, any cloud, your containerized solution without a lot of friction. It's already ready to go. You just need to host the container now. So, um, and again, now for people who want to use my Merlin project, they literally just say Docker compose up Merlin. And that brings up all of my container services. So Charles, what's pretty neat, Wait, let me stop. That was a lot to unpack. What do you think about that explanation of of Docker and images and containers? Yeah, I I, lo I love the way you you, you use the CD-ROM to explain it because I've never thought about it this way, you know. So I I think it's really amazing. I think it's, it's really amazing. So then you think of something like Kubernetes, mm -hmm. or or. There's other things, there's other tools out there, but Kubernetes is like, it's like a jukebox full of CDs, right? So its job is to orchestrate the right CD and play the right song when people push the buttons on the front of the jukebox. Oh, wow. Kubernetes is, is kind of a way to, to manage and interact with these images and these CDs. If you could picture in your mind yeah. a giant, do you ever, have you ever seen a jukebox in a bar and you, Go and pick the song you want. Do you know yeah, what I'm talking I've, I've about? Yeah, I've seen the movies. Yeah, I have. So that's in my head, kind of like Kubernetes. It's a very complex, like a jukebox. If you could open one up, it's pretty complicated stuff, right? So, <laughs> yeah. But that's like Kubernetes, right? It's it's there to let you orchestrate and connect different images. Same as the cloud, where you can put like my project. It's so incredible, Charles. I can run. So think of a database. Okay. I'm running Postgres SQL, so a full SQL database, okay. as one container in my Docker Compose. Now Docker Compose lets me orchestrate, sort of bring up different containers that at the network layer, 
can interact with each other over port 9200 or 9300 hmm. or 8000 or whatever. So my Merlin is in one container, yeah. which has my front end, my Apache and my web page. But when the users go get network data, it's actually stored in a different container that's just for the database. Now I could host that in the cloud, in multiple clouds on-prem. It's just a container, right? So it's pretty cool. And then other things are becoming more and more consumed by this container system. So if you think of Elastic, uh, the Elastic search engine and the Elastic stack and Cabana and Logstash, you can just bring these up as little individual containers for free in just a couple of commands and boom, you have an elastic search. Um, so I now where it comes into the world of gaming in the metaverse and that that is really using your imagination where people will make these little microservices in containers and present them through different front ends. Like I'm using Django as my front end to consume different container services. But imagine putting a VR headset on yeah. and, and consuming different container systems, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's very important. So I, here's, Charles, here's what I think about. I think it's kind of an intermediate skill, the, the Docker world. There's a Docker file and you have to kind of know the syntax on how to build layers and how to add like a pip install or from Ubuntu or from Alpine or from Windows Server 2008 or whatever. There's different syntax involved in the Docker file and then the Docker Compose. So Docker Compose is YAML okay. and the Docker file is its own syntax. Now, the other thing that I use that maybe people don't think about is a born again shell or the bash shell. So have you ever done any bash scripting? Not yet. Not yet. So it's, it's old, okay? It's been around <laughs> a really long time, but yeah. it's powerful and it has its own little, you can use variables and it's very powerful, this shell. So I use my shell as a way to bring up certain services, not my shell, the shell command. It's a little script I run at the end of my Docker file. Okay. So there's a lot involved, but once you, it's like anything else, Charles, once you've done it a few times, yeah, you kind of understand how to bring up a container, how to put it in a YAML file, how to do a Docker compose. Um, I, I think it's incredible. It's easy enough if once you've installed Docker desktop for Windows, most yeah. of the people listening, I assume, are gonna be running on Windows, right? Yeah. Go get WSL2, go get VS Code, go get Docker Desktop. The other thing, Charles, I wish I could show you this, but um, I'm a big fan of VS Code. And like anything else, there's an extension for Docker. So you know what's really neat? Once my containers are up, okay. now typically once your container is running, mm -hmm. you have to shell into it, like log in and, yeah. and use the born again shell to to navigate around your container. Yeah. Well, not with VS Code. With VS Code Docker, it connects to the image, the container, okay. and you can expand it in VS Code and open files. Oh, wow. Which is really powerful when you're generating things, like, you know, instead of 
catting out the file from the shell inside the container. Yeah. I can just stay in my IDE, my development environment, and actually explore the container. Yeah. So I would make that tip to anyone getting going is to make sure you get the right tools to work with the technology, right? Amazing, amazing. Another, another concept that made me very curious about um, containers and Kubernetes. On LinkedIn, I saw a, um, a lady, she published a book called Kubernetes in Networking. So <coughs> I wonder what that is. I, I don't know if you have an idea about that. Well, my experience with Kubernetes is that, so once I had Docker desktop installed, if you poke around the settings, there's actually an enable Kubernetes button. So I turned that on and then I had Kubernetes and I just played with it a little bit. It, it has its own networking connections and it's, it's YAML driven. So you have to be pretty good with YAML, but I actually set it up where I had what's called a cron job so I'm going to get all this wrong. I'm, I don't profess to be a Kubernetes expert. I really, I, I know enough about it to, to make it work at home and understand it. I don't use it in production yet. And I, I don't want to get anything wrong or mislead anyone. This is my understanding of it, right? But those containers and those, those Docker images become pods. Okay, so if you hear someone talk about a pod in Kubernetes, that's sort of your container but there's also services and different things that go along with just that pod mm -hmm. so what i managed to do was set up a cron job okay. to restart my pod every five minutes let's say and what my pod would do is go scrape the network for network state information and make a json file and a spreadsheet file and different things mm -hmm. and to set up the scheduling i used kubernetes to handle the starting and restarting of the pods. So that was a lot of fun. And, and I just, again, I don't, I don't do it at my day job every day. So I've tried to learn on my own. Yeah. And, and again, I don't mean to get any of this wrong. The Kubernetes community is very open and willing to help people understand it. Um, it has its whole, it's a whole different, <laughs> it's a whole nother monster compared to what I'm doing with just making a little Docker container right yeah. but but you grow and you take steps and i think the first step to understanding kubernetes is really understanding docker and containers they, they kind of go hand in hand right that's true that's true amazing amazing job, honestly well i think i think this really covers it you know basics a lot you know and i'm i'm certain i, I gain a lot now and I'm just anybody listening to this, they would definitely, definitely, you know, now have an idea about what's happening now and why they really need to learn this tech, you know, and begin to explore cloud, you know, because I've seen a lot of different engineers learning cloud, um, um, folks like um, JT on Twitter, and um, there's another lady, I can't recall her hands at the moment, she's also learning cloud. And it's just really amazing we see a lot of network engineers, you know, dabbling with cloud technologies now. It's just it's just lovely. It's really lovely. Well, I I think it's going to become just like network automation, where the next generation of network engineers and network designers and architects mm -hmm. 
I think maybe, well, and even operations, like the whole thing, monitoring, alerting, security, um, is going to move a lot more and more to the cloud. Uh, and that involves the networking engineers quite a bit, right? How to get in and out of the cloud. Do we use private connections like an Azure Express route? So with something like Azure Express route, you can present private IPs. So like 10, 10, 100, 100, Okay. But that's actually in the cloud cool. and you're connecting through a private network to get there, not over the top to a public IP. So there's a lot involved here. I just recently, like yesterday, started using S3. So, so yeah. Amazon Web Services cloud storage. Yeah. And it's it's so incredible, Charles. I Through Python, I put a file in the cloud in a bucket, it's called. And then I made that publicly accessible. So then I did a little more research and, and I don't want to talk too much about Django or my project because I know we're talking about containers, but you can make Django store its files in the cloud by default. Amazing. So your project doesn't actually store anything locally. It uses a, a storages plugin and keeps these files in the cloud. So yes, cloud is here, containers are here. Um, Kubernetes is here. There's a lot of new things on the horizon, Charles. It's an exciting time to be in the industry. Exciting. And, and it's all built on that networking foundation. I still, I think I really do, but with a side of programming and a side of cloud and a side of security. And we really have a lot to consider when we're developing these solutions. Um, but imagine the video games of the future where it's, you know, you just go to a URL in your browser and it spins up their container that's for your environment and off you go, right? Such lightweight compared to, think of the physical infrastructure of a, of a successful game. Yeah. How much does Blizzard spend on their infrastructure maintaining racks and racks of servers? Mm -hmm. Or how much have they moved to the cloud? It'd be interesting to know. Sure. That whole thing has shifted. And for people, maybe independent game developers, yeah. they can get a small chunk of cloud storage for relatively inexpensive cost. They can package up their game in a container. They can start hosting it and serving it up to the public with a lot less friction than building a whole IT department to host the game and a whole develop right and a whole development shop and and then their cloud presence. A few people can do all of this now with the cloud, with containers, with a little bit of Python or whatever the game platform is built on. It's really exciting. Yeah. Michael, John, thank you so much for your time. So um, any any finishing, any finishing words you'd like to share? Well, I, uh, I don't want anyone to, to be overwhelmed and think that, you know, I, I'm saying all of this is easy. There, there is, there's a lot to learn here, but don't let that stop you from trying to learn it or to do it or to adopt new ways of thinking. Uh, there's a lot of benefit here to our organizations, to our infrastructure. Um, so yeah, I, I just want people to be positive and don't let fear prevent them from doing new things and great things and trying cloud and Python and automation and containers. Um, even just try to spin up 
Docker desktop and run the hello world container. You'll get there, you'll learn these things. Um, and I appreciate Charles, like you've opened my eyes and, and, and to some new technologies today and, and some really good ideas. And I think that what you're doing is great. And I love that you're pursuing, uh, you know, a new, a new thing in cloud and in gaming. So I think your message should be heard. And I, I always love talking to you and thank you for your invitation today. So much, thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, you're really an inspiration to me, you know, in going into this with automation, clouds, technologies, because what you're building. That's why I love dabbling with your projects, you know, just like get hands on experience and see if I love these things and see if I can actually do it, you know. So it's, it's amazing, honestly. Cheers. Well, thank you. Cheers to you as well. And, um, Maybe not now because it's late, but I'm going to have to get you to sign my guest book in live share soon and really show you something cool with live share. That would be a lot of fun. Okay. So we'll get together sometime this week and I'll get you to sign the guest book. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. John. Okay. So, all right. Stay safe. It's really nice to see you. Yeah. Me too. So, so guys, um, you can actually find John on Twitter at John Capobianco, which I will definitely put on like the, uh, you know, show notes and podcasts. So, yeah. All right, Charles. Thank you so much for your time. I hope it goes well. I hope the recording works. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye now.